0: All right, so how many of you watch weird YouTube videos? Anybody? So I don't, my wife does. She, I guess, is taking a stand against cable TV. So she watches YouTube videos, right? I'm always a little bit nervous to check her search history because they just get weirder and weirder, right? But she she watches videos on um, growing plants. She likes to grow flowers and plants and all that stuff. Anybody here feel the same way about flowers and plants? Okay. How many of you don't care at all? Okay. Well, this is going to be a fun conversation, all right? So... Anyway, she was watching one of her multitude of garden people on YouTube one day, and I, I feel like I had a stroke, and I stopped and watched it for about 37 seconds, okay? But immediately I was intrigued by just the concept of, of the whole idea of starting with something so infinitesimal as a seed, and turning it into something that lots of people would consider to be beautiful and magnificent. And that got me thinking about us, you and me in regard to how do we grow, right? How do we, how do we do this, right? How do we, we do, we talk, we, and we preach through Genesis. Next year we'll preach the first and second Corinthians. We preach through Isaiah. We preach and we teach, right? And we talk about it, but how do we do it? Right? How do we actually grow as a believer in Jesus Christ? What does that look like? It doesn't take long for you to realize what growing a plant looks like. You could start with the seed, right? And you know what the process is to get from here to there. Or if you don't, you watch YouTube videos to figure it out. Yes? Right? That's how it works. But I'm not sure that we know how to grow as a Christian. I'm not sure we know what that looks like or what we should even be measuring because everybody, listen, everybody has a different opinion about what that should be, okay? So I just want to walk through that for five weeks. I want to walk through this idea of starting at the beginning and talking about the elements of our growth and how this works. This all started in the mind of a human being that cares doesn't care at all about flowers or plants, and saw a video that made me think there's something there that correlates to my life and your life in regard to that, all right? So I wanna walk through that, right? So our mission statement, if you're new to Tomoka in here online, thank you for being here. Uh, don't have to believe to belong. We say that all the time, it's so true. Listen, it may take you a minute to figure it out. It took me a year, so no pressure. Um, if we say stuff that you don't agree with, good. You're in the right place. Um, even if you become a Christian, we'll say things that you don't agree with. So it's okay. Right. But our mission statement at Tomoka is this. We, and if you know it, say it with me, we exist to make it hard for people to go to hell in this generation. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) And the reason why that is our mission statement is because that's what we believe. We believe that the church has one purpose. Everybody say one purpose, right? This is what we believe. We believe the church has one purpose. And the purpose of the church, if it's to remain here, is to lead other people to Jesus. Do you agree with that? Yes or no? And here's the thing. Don't care if you don't agree with it. Because I know it's biblically true. And here's what I know about everything else that we think is important in Christianity. It's only important because the most important thing makes everything else important. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, for want of a nail? Right? Right? For want of a nail, the shoe failed. Right? For want of a shoe, the soldier failed. Or the horse failed. Right? And for want of a horse, the soldier failed. And for want of a soldier, the battle was lost. And on and on until the kingdom falls, right? The reason why some things matter is because the most important thing matters, right? My 65 inch TV is important. And here's why, because the most important thing is being able to watch the bears play football on Sunday, okay? Hear me, Rob? Right? That's why it matters. Right? Listen, the reason why growing in Christ is important is because the most important thing is, is that every believer has a responsibility to share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. If you're unsure of what your purpose is in Christ, that is it. Nothing else. Now, are there other things that are important? Yes, Because the most important thing makes them important. How do you share Christ if you don't look like Christ? If you don't act like Christ? If you don't become Christ? And the person that gets in the way of you being those things is oftentimes who? Me. Right? So why do we grow? Because there are people out there that God's going to need you to witness to and share Jesus with that you're not prepared to. Because that's why those things are important. Because we believe that. We believe that there's one. There's only one. There's only one mission. There's not split missions, multiple missions, right? I've been here for 14 years. I've been in ministry for 35 years. Here's what I know. Nobody agrees. Everybody wants to have an opinion about it. Listen, don't matter. This is what it is, right? God said, go into the world and make disciples of, of all nations. Simple right? You're an ambassador for Jesus. I'm an ambassador for Jesus. Make that known to people by begging people to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's it. Because here's the thing. If people die and don't know Jesus, they go where? That is the undeniable truth of scripture. There is a moment of accountability. Only one, only one true moment of accountability and it determines eternity. Amen. And guess what? There's only one answer for that moment of accountability. And that answer is who? Jesus It's not a church. It's not a belief. It's a person. It's Jesus himself. And guess who's been tasked with making that known to the whole world? We have. And so guess what? That's the only one that matters. Everything else that matters is because that one matters. I'm going to say that every week for five weeks. I'm going to say it every week. So you hear it over and over and over again. There's only one mission. Everything else matters because of that mission. Somebody say amen. So let's read a couple of verses. First Peter two, like, like newborn babies. Amen. Right? <laughs> like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. So that by that milk, you may what? Grow up in your... Right? He goes on to say, now that you have tasted that the Lord is... Right? Who's tasted and knows that the Lord is good? Somebody say amen. Right? We have a kitchen in the staff office. I wanted that to be assigned above above the refrigerator and nobody would go with me. Right? Anyway. How about this? One, Colossians 1.9. Verse one, nine and ten. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray that you would be filled with those things in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in what? Every way right? And that you will bear fruit in what? Every good work growing in the knowledge of God. One more. And this is the theme verse of our series. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Actually, you're right. I'm going to read Psalm 92. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green. You're getting the theme that if you're in Jesus, you should what? Everybody say grow. Grow, right? And here's our theme verses of the series. Colossians 2. Verses 6 and 7, we're going to read them every week, right? So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, if you received Jesus as Lord online in here, let me hear you say amen. He says that you received him, continue to live in him, right? That you would be rooted and built up in him and strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflow with thankfulness. Want to know a great indicator of how well you're growing? Are you overflowing with thankfulness? If you're not thankful, you ain't growing. I can just tell you from scripture, those two things are undeniably connected, right? It's just true. Right, So that's the theme, right? Over and over and over and over and over again. People like Paul says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That God is changing us from one level of glory to the other. But I... Don't know if we always know what growing in the Lord means. Does it mean coming to church more? Does it mean giving more? Does it mean going on a mission trip? Does it mean memorizing scripture? What does it mean to grow in the Lord? So that's what I want to talk about with you over the next five weeks. Everybody good with that? Yes or no? So let's start with the first thing. So when I look out at my, so let me show you this picture by the way. I think there's a picture of my, of my, of our balcony. Did you guys get that, mic? All right. So outside of the apartment, there's a little, there's a, there's a, I don't know what you call it. There's a space outside of the door that you can go and sit. Is that called the balcony? Patio? Whatever you call it, right? All I know is it's not big enough. Okay? And the other thing I know is this. I can't sit on mine. Because mine has become a greenery. Okay? I wanna put a couch out there that I can recline in and relax in. And I wanna put a TV on the wall. But instead, I've got a balcony that's covered in this. And then also, we apparently now are designing, the goal is to attract hummingbirds. Because apparently, that's what we do, right? And so when I look at this, here's what I notice of all these plants and flowers that are growing. They're all sitting in a pot. They're all sitting in some kind of container. Right? And so what I know about these pots and containers is this. They're all different. They look different. They feel different. They're incredibly unique. Everybody say unique. Right? So let's talk about unique pots. Right? And containers. Here's the definition from Webster. Unique means this, only one of its kind, unlike anything else, that's unique, right? And look at our, our patio area that is no longer existent and it's covered in flowers and plants and every one of them sits in a pot or container that's different, painted different, different size, different materials. This is embarrassing, but I did a little research on pots and containers and why they're important to flowers and plants. Yeah. Um, here's what I found. There's lots of considerations. I even wrote them down, right? Just so you know, I did some research. Cost, environmental impact of your container or pot, the longevity of it, its color, because we're weird, right? Right? Size, because you want one big enough for the plant to actually grow the roots because you don't want the roots to be shoved into something that's not big enough to handle it, right? And drainage along with other things. There's also different kinds of pots and containers. There's terracotta, which I have no idea what it means, but there's terracotta. There's glazed pots that I know of. There's plastic, there's metal, there's wood, and I'm sure there's a million things else. Right? But all I know about pots and containers is they're all very different looking. They're all very unique. Here's some pictures, right? Just some visuals of different pots that I found, right? Old, cracked, right? Whatever they are. Plastic, different ones. I think there's another picture as well, right? The sizes, square, plastic, you can see drain holes, one versus a bunch, right? Is there one more? And there you go, multicolored, right? They're just all kinds of different, unique pots and containers. So what's that got to do with you? What's that got to do with me, right? Well, here's what it's got to do with you and me. We're unique. We're unique. Now, let's be clear about something. When God does his work in us, He does his work in us in our heart. Somebody say yes, right? According to Matthew 13, Luke 8, Mark 5, and the parable of the sower. When the seed is sown into the soil, the soil represents the heart of each individual. And it's in the heart that God does his work. But let's be clear tonight, online, in here. Your pot, your container... Matters. It matters to him. Right? And it doesn't take long for you to scan the crowd to know this about yourself. You're unique. Nobody in here looks like you. Nobody in here dresses like you. Nobody in here thinks like you. Nobody in here has lived your particular life. And as Liam Neeson would say, nobody in here has your particular set of skills, right? They just don't. You're unique. Everybody say it with me online in here. I'm unique. Everybody say it one, two, three. I'm unique. You're unique. You're unique. Listen to a few verses about your pot. your Your container. Genesis 127 says this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Created he them. How about this one? Psalm in Psalm 139 or Jeremiah, excuse me, Jeremiah one, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying this, this is what God said to Jeremiah before I formed you in the womb. I, what I knew you before you were born, I set you apart. David writes in Psalm 139, he writes these words, God, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb i praise you because i am fearfully and i am wonderfully made your works are wonderful i know that full well my frame david said was it hidden from you when i was made in the secret place Right? When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, a poetic reference to a womb of a mother, right? Your eye saw my unformed body. All my days, he says, are ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to me. Just leave that right there. Bring that back up, Jess. Right? Let's be clear about something. The day of your death was written in the book before you took your first breath. Are we clear on that? That's just given, right? That's a given in the process of what we know about God. And David goes on to say this about that, right? He says in the next verse, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God, and how vast is the sum of them. If I were to count your thoughts, they would outnumber the grains of sand when I awake. I am still with you. Listen, scripture is replete with the idea that God made you and I individually. Those words woven and knit in the Hebrew paint the picture of someone creating something new, something different. He didn't weave me in my mom's womb the way he wove you in your mom's womb. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're online and you don't think you're special because somebody told you you weren't because somebody didn't care enough to tell you that you were. And maybe as an adult, you're still struggling with that. Let's clear something. You are special. You are unique. Scientists has proven to some degree the unbelievable amount of intricacy that God wove into your individual creation. So much so that not one person's DNA matches another. And even though your family might have told you, maybe your parents told you by their actions and their words, you're nothing, you're not special, you don't matter. Maybe you're living in that hell right now where somebody you're connected to is trying to convince you of that. Maybe you doubt your own self-worth because you don't like your image, the way you look. You're too fat, you're too tall, you're too thin, you're too white, you're too black, you're too this, you're too that. Let's be clear about something. Your pot, your container, when it comes to growing that seed in soil, That pot matters to God because he created it in his image and he wove it in the womb of your mom. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a a person, you have influence. Use that influence positively to convince people and to tell people they are unique. Notice I'm not saying the word special. When you say special, you say entitled. We are not special. We are unique. We are individually woven. We are created and knitted in the womb of our mother. And guess what? God knew who to make black, who to make white, who to make red, who to make yellow, who to make tall, who to make short, who to give blonde hair to and brown hair to and blue eyes to. God makes no mistakes. Because every person's unique. Every person's unique. Your pot matters to God. Amen? Now, what that mean? Here, here's what I really want to focus on tonight. Right? I was going to do a bunch of research and try to make you impressed with my, ninth, my knowledge of science and the DNA. But you can go research that yourself. Right? Here's what you need to know about you. God made you different than he made everybody else. That makes that pot and that container that's yours, that you don't like, that somebody's made fun of, that somebody's abused, that somebody said was worthless, somebody said was ugly, somebody said it never amounted to anything. Those people are wrong. Because God made you in his image, wove you, ordained you, set your life inside boundaries, right? He cares about you. You're unique. The question is, What's God's response to that uniqueness? Because here's the thing about these pots and these containers on my balcony, right? They're picked oftentimes with much forethought, right? I don't know if you're a flower person, but I read enough and I've listened enough and watched enough to know that people who plant flowers and plants tend to pick Pots and containers that would do nothing, right? But but elevate, elevate what they're putting in that pot and that container, right? That pot and that container isn't just a vessel to hold soil and seed, right? That vessel is also a part of the message that's being communicated to the world about what's inside that plant, right? That's why scripture says physical exercise has benefit. Because it does matter at some level. Now, it's not as important as spiritual discipline and exercise, but it has value. Why? Because the pot, the container has value in the message. But the question is, what's God's response to you being so unique? How many of you have children? How many of you have grandchildren? Right? We are an old church. Amen? Right? Man, I don't know about you, but I love my kids. Anybody with me? I mean, I think they're amazing. Anybody think theirs are amazing? No, I think my kids are stupid too. But man, they're amazing. My nine grandkids, unbelievable. Special. Right? Incredible. Right? And I want my... listen. I want my, and listen, I'm probably not like you, but I, I have favorites. Okay. I have a favorite child and I have a favorite grandkid. Right. And if I didn't think that they were watching, I'd say it online right now. Right. But they know, right. They know. And the reason why partly they're my favorite is that because of my response to their uniqueness their their way of being really makes me like them you know what I mean you ever been around somebody and based upon the way they were you're like man I think I really want to like this person I think I want to really be their friend anybody know that feeling that's why most of you were dumb enough to get married right because you're like oh you're really different I think I want to hang with you forever right and then you were married a while and went you're just like everybody else right Aren't you glad Wednesday nights are back, right? But the uniqueness is what causes our response. So what is God's uniqueness or what is God's response to uniqueness? And here's the reason I want to talk about this because we live in a day and age. Let me go back. I was at St. Louis Christian College and one of the classes I took as a junior in college was a class called situational ethics. Ethics based upon situations, right? It's the only class in college I ever got kicked out of because we were in the class and we were talking about sexual morality and I was in a foul mood. I, I was aggravated at the professor uh, and we were talking through first Thessalonians about sexual morality and sexual purity. Right. And he was making the case biblically that there should be no sex before marriage. I decided to give him an analogy. I said, when you go shoe shopping, you don't buy shoes without trying them on. (laughs) Just to be obnoxious. I got kicked out of class. All right. But the class itself was based upon this question. Are ethics determined by standards or situations? Do your ethics move based upon the circumstance you find yourself in? Right? Is it wrong to steal? Right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold you to that because they don't know who said yes and who refused to answer, okay? But we would agree that biblically stealing is wrong, yes? What if you go and you put your stuff on the conveyor belt and they ring it up, they put it in a bag, you go home and when you get home you realize they forgot to run your $40 pair of shoes. Did you steal them? Some of you would go, no. Cause you put them on the belt, they were just too stupid and they missed them. Some of you would go, yeah, but now you know that you didn't pay for them. You should go back and do it. That's called situational ethics. Everybody tracking with me? Right? Here's what we often are now teaching and what we're seeing happen in people regarding their uniqueness. It's situational. And what I mean by that is in our churches today, what we're saying is this, that based upon who I am, what my skill set is, what I like and don't like, that's how God's going to respond to me. We want God to be a God who works based upon who I am. Well, I'm never going to do that because that's not who I'm not wired that way. So you know what? I'm just not going to do that. And we want individuals to create the God based upon their uniqueness, just like we do when we date. Right? We find somebody that we like based upon our uniqueness. We like to kid ourselves and think that we're picking somebody based upon theirs. But ultimately what we're doing is we're, we're adding us to the equation and going, how are they responding to me? Because that's how I know whether they love me or don't love me problem is that's what we're doing with God. And we're saying to God, listen, this is who I am, God. Right? This is my true self. This is me. And then God, you're going to respond to me. So I know I don't have to do that, God, because that doesn't take me into account. Is everybody tracking with what I'm saying? Yes or no? Right? So what I want to know is, based upon me being unique, what does the Bible say God's response to that is? Let me read a few scriptures to you. Okay? Let me read a few scriptures to you, right? So let me start with Numbers 23. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? The answer is no. When God speaks, he acts. When he promises, he keeps it. Somebody say amen, right? How about this passage, Psalm 145, 13. Your kingdom's an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion durst forever or throughout all generations. The Lord, everybody read this with me. The Lord is faithful to all his and loving toward. Listen, here's what I know is that we're wrong. If we think God's response is based on my uniqueness and not based upon his character. God's response to us is based on him, not on me. God speaks and he acts God promises and keeps it the Bible says the Lord is faithful right and does what he promises right he's the God that acts according to what he speaks right and he loves and cares for all that he's made I know that because that's God's character and I can trust that somebody say amen God won't say it and then not do it he's not like me He's not like me. God, when he makes a promise, keeps a promise. If Cord says, I'm going to meet you at two, there's a possibility I'll show up at 227. You understand what I'm saying? Because we're not always, we're not always going to keep our word. Yes or no? Right? God isn't like that. So if God says it, does he keep it? Yes or no? He's faithful to all that he's made. Did God make you? Yes or no? So he's always faithful to who? Come on, say it. He's always faithful to me. Why? Because he said it. And when he says it, he keeps it. Everybody tracking with that? That's why it's important that you know the promises of God. Because if you don't, you have no idea the God that you're serving and the God that loves you. God's bound by his word. Can God do anything? But God will never do what he doesn't say. And he'll never violate his word to just say, I can do whatever I want to do. That's the kind of God that I don't want to follow. Right? I was raised by that kind of little G God. That was terrifying. Right? God tells me what he does. I can count on that. That's comforting to me. So what does God say about your uniqueness? Romans 3.23 says this about you and me being unique. For Everybody say it. For have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin. Hamartia. Missed the mark. We're not perfect. None of us are. Anybody here disagree with that? Never met a person who didn't agree with that statement. Everybody understands they're not perfect. They've not lived up to the hype. Yes? Just have it. So what does God say about that uniqueness that we know now has been messed up? God made me in his image. And look what I did. I sinned and fell short of that glory. Guess what? God made me. I was this. And then I sinned. And now I'm that. So what does God say now about my pot? That's cracked. Or my container that's chipped. What does he say about one that's got a whole side ripped out? Here's what he says. Listen to what God says. In 2 Peter three nine. The Lord isn't slow. Again, God's character determines his response to us, not our uniqueness. God isn't slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. No, God's character is, is that he's patient. Everybody say patient, right? This is God with your pot that's now marred and broken by your sin of choice, right? Your chip, your crack, your missing piece, right? The Lord's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to. I have a God that's patient with broken pots. Amen. Amen. God's patient with the broken pot. You ever get impatient with a broken pot around you all the time? You ever critical of a broken pot that doesn't know the Lord, have some ugly things to say, You know what God's character is? What his response is to uniqueness of the individual he made that's now marred by sin. His response based on his character is to be patient. You see, because if God responded to my uniqueness based upon my uniqueness and my sin, God would kill me. I would die. He would simply stand in my presence and in his holiness he would consume me. But God doesn't respond to me based on my uniqueness. He responds to me based on his character. What's his character? His character is I'm patient with you. I don't want you to be lost. So if you're in here and you don't know Jesus, watch online you don't know Jesus, let's be clear about what God's desire is for you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him by knowing his son, Jesus. Jesus said it this way in John 3. God so loved the world. Every unique, broken, cracked, chipped pot and container in the world that's marred by sin God loves them gave his own one and only son for them right and all you got to do is believe in Jesus and you won't perish but you'll have eternal life why did God do that because his character said so his character didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world because if God responded to me based on my uniqueness which is marred now because of sin God would condemn me somebody say amen but god didn't give jesus to condemn us he brought jesus in the world to save the world through we're saved through the personhood of jesus christ not a book not a statement not a not a sinner's prayer not a creed not a church not a pastor we're saved through the personhood of jesus christ somebody say amen Do you get that God's response to our uniqueness is based on his character, not on you? Somebody say amen. Are you grateful for that? Man, I don't know about you, but I am. But man, it doesn't just stop there. It just goes on and on and on and on. Let me share with you some scriptures here. Let me read Psalm 68, right? Psalm 68 says, when you ascended on high, you led captives in your train. You received gifts From the Lord, I don't think that's the verse, Jess. I think I gave you the wrong one. You receive gifts from men, even from the rebellious, that you, O Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the God of our Savior, it is, who daily bears our burdens, right? Selah. Our God is a God who Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from From. For all of sin, fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is what? Death. If God responded to you and I based on our uniqueness, we would die. But what does our God do? Our God, our God saves. Aren't you glad that God responds to you based on his character and not on your uniqueness? Yes or no? So listen to our God. Listen to the God that you can trust because when God speaks, he acts, and when he promises, he keeps it. Right? And God's faithful to all those He made. Right? Every pot, every container, every one of those shells that you and I have marred because of our sinful choices, God is faithful to care for those He made. Look what it says. First John 4 8. How about God's character in this? Whoever does not love does not know God. Everybody say that with me. Whoever does not Does not know God. Because. Listen. Do not. Talk to me. About knowing God. And loving Jesus. If you're a jerk. To other people. It don't work. You want to undermine the testimony of Jesus. Don't love other people. And here's how you don't love other people. Talk about them. Run them down. Criticize them. Gossip with them. Be disrespectful. Go off the handle. Call names. Don't edify. Don't build up. Right? Listen, bring that verse back up, Jess. First John 4, 8 says God's character is this. Whoever doesn't love doesn't what? Know God. You don't know him. I go to church where well, you don't know him. Because if you knew God, you would love because God is See, character dictates response, not uniqueness of the individual. We want to judge people and be critical of them because they're stupid. Have you seen the videos? Do you see what our government's doing? Do you understand how dumb these Democrats are? How dumb these Republicans are? Do you get these people that follow Trump and follow Biden and on and on and on? Do you understand that God is what? And those who know God, what? Love. Love. But we want the situation, the uniqueness of it, to dictate our response. Situational ethics. And guess what situational ethics is doing to the testimony of the gospel? It's killing it. And look at the stats. Generations of our children are refusing to come to church because we decimated the testimony of Jesus by saying we love Jesus and not practicing something so simple as that. And now we're paying the price for it. And they're paying the price for it. And the prayer is that they won't pray for it, for, they won't pay for it for eternity. Right? How about this one? Isaiah 40 says this, do you not know? Do you not know? And have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow of who? Because if he never grows tired or never grows weary, right? Then he'll never grow tired and he'll never grow weary of of you, of me. Do you know how much we think that people, listen, people give up on us, amen? They get tired of us because we're exhausting, right? We just, we're dumb and we do the same things over and over again. And we struggle and we do this and people give up on us, they get tired of us. Do you know that God never, ever grows tired or weary? But, Court, I did the same thing for the last 12 times. Every time God gives me a chance, I mess it up. God never grows tired or weary. Ever. So even if they did or she did, God does not Why? Because his character is his response, not you. Aren't you grateful? He never grows tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. Does it make sense that he always, always, always puts up with us? No. But he does. Because he's not a God based upon your uniqueness. He's a God who bases his actions on him. On him. How about this one? James 1.17. Every good every good and perfect gift is every good and perfect gift is from above. Everyone. That's our God. You ever wonder why bad people get good things? Anybody? You want to know why? Because God gave it to them. Right? Because what? How many good gifts? Come on, say it. Everybody say the word every. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. You want to know why some people get good when you get bad? Because God gave it to them. Does he give it based upon their uniqueness? Nope. He gives it based on his character. Why did God bless Abraham when Sarah was being groomed to be in in the king's harem? Don't know, but I do know this, that those good gifts that Abraham got while Sarah was in there because Abraham was a coward and a liar. All those good gifts he got of riches and wealth that came from whom? Did he do it based on, did he do it based on Abraham's uniqueness? No, he did it based on his what? His character. You see, we made the mistake of thinking, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it, uh, I'm just gonna do a quick geopolitical overview. We think America should be given certain things based upon who we are. God does not operate that way. Hey Shelby, right? God doesn't operate that way. God operates based on his character. He does that in your life too, because God's character determines his response. How about this one? Psalm 30 verse 5. For his anger lasts only for a, doesn't say God's never angry. He just said his anger lasts for a moment, but his favor lasts a what? Man, I don't know about you, but I am grateful for that, aren't you? I know I've made God angry. But I know his character. His character is he doesn't grow weary or tired. His understanding is beyond fathom. And that my God won't remain angry forever. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Somebody say amen. Then I want you to listen to this. Psalm 103. I'm reading the whole thing. So if you need to read a verse a day or a chapter a day, I'm going to cover it for you. Listen to the psalmist and listen to it build. Because I want you to get this. Are you unique? Yes or no? Are you unique? Yes or no? We are all unique. That pot, that container matters to God. He made it. He formed it. He created it. He gave it a lifespan. And you messed it up. I messed it up. We marred it. Yes or no? And God's character dictated his response. I love you. I don't want you to perish. I'll send my son for you. I will respond to you based on me, not on you. I'm a God who loves. I'm a God who... Listen to what psalmist says. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. What are they? Who forgives? Say it with me. How many? Oh. Not just past. All. The ones you're going to commit tomorrow. All your sins. And what? Heals all sins. Your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Crowns you with love and compassion. This is our God's character. He satisfies your desire with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is what? Passionate. He's gracious. He's what? Slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He'll never accuse. He won't always accuse. Nor will he harbor his anger forever. We read that in Psalm 30. He doesn't treat us. Somebody say this. He doesn't treat us as what? Because our God isn't Situational. Our God is a character-driven God. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, you and me, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness is with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, the Lord's established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Aren't you grateful that God's character drives his response to you? And that is part of the reason why we can grow. So let's wrap it up. I wrote as my third point. Now what? Now what? Let me close with these verses. Psalm 64 verse eight says this. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. Say it with me. We are the? You're the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Job said this in Job 7. Ask the animals. They'll teach you. Or the birds of the air and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth and it will teach you or let the fish of the sea inform you. Which of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life, come on, say it with me, is the life of every creature and the breath of your life, my life in the hand of God. Does not the ear test words as the tongue taste food? Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? What do you do with the fact that God made you unique and God's response to your uniqueness that he marred, right? What do you do that his response is based on his character and not on you? Will you understand a couple things? My life and your life is completely in the hands of our maker. Amen? Totally in his hands, right? Listen, ask, ask the birds Of the air and the fish of the sea. Ask the earth and they'll tell you. Right? The longer we live the wiser we should become in regard to that. But Revelation 2 says this. Right? Jesus speaking to a church. Says these words. And I want to close with. Maybe you don't like your pot. Maybe you don't like what you've done with your life. Maybe you don't like where you're at right now. Maybe you don't like anything about that. Maybe, even though God made you unique, you're mad at who God made you. Maybe, maybe all those things are true, right? Here's what Jesus promises in Revelation 2 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I'll give some of the hidden manna. But look what he'll also give us. He'll give us all a white stone. And on that stone will be a what? Come on, say it. That new name, and it says this it'll be written on that stone, and it'll be known only to him who receives it. Maybe you don't like your pot. I know it's unique, and I know you and I messed them up. And I know the only way to change that is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because in Jesus there's a new stone, there's a new name, there's a new path. There's a new purpose and that's what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks is how do we get from being a pot that's empty and unique and cracked and chipped and broken to having a fully fledged functioning fruit producing plant and it all starts with this. You got to know Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus in here, listen, we're going to have people that will be up front. They'll talk to you. You can talk to our team out at the front desk. If you're online, there's a button. I have decided you can push that button. it will take you to a form that you can fill out, and we'd love to talk to you about that. All right? Listen, it matters. It matters that people know Jesus. Amen? Amen? Everything else that's important in Scripture is important because of that. And it's clear in Scripture. One of the most important things we do to make sure we're functioning in the mission is we grow in Jesus. Amen? So let's figure out how to do that. Father, thank you so much for uh, tonight. Thank you for this space, uh, for the grace given to me. Uh, just listen, it is my desire that we grow. That we grow in knowledge and the grace that you give us. And that ultimately, Lord, we'll look more and more like your son. And the more that we look like your son, the more you will put us in front of people who need to know him. So, Father, help us to take to heart the need to grow. And if there's anybody in here wrestling with even starting the process, God, would you continue that conviction that only you can do? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church.